Cherry Printers are an established printing company that produce quality products at sensible prices. From cash receipts and invoice books to GDPR-compliant confidential visitor signing books, they have it all. For more information, visit cherryprinters.co.uk. Cherry Printers. Besides the spotlight. Nikki Ledyard is a breakfast producer for the BBC. When she was younger, she wanted to be a star on TV. After leaving university, she went and volunteered at her local BBC radio station. She now puts together four hours of breakfast radio every weekday morning to deliver the latest news, weather, travel and sport to put a smile on the faces of the BBC Radio Bristol audience. You are listening to Besides the Spotlight with me, Finley Ratsnet, talking to Nikki Ledyard. Besides the Spotlight with Finley Ratnet. Finley Ratnet, joined by Nikki Ledyard. So, Nikki Ledyard, producer at BBC Radio Bristol, thanks ever so much for coming on. You're very welcome. Nice to speak to you. So, what were you, what were you interested in when you were my age? Uh... I wanted to be a a star on the telly, basically. (laughs) I was really interested. I wanted to be on children's telly. I think my age, sort of 30 years ago, loads of people wanted to be on Blue Peter, and that's what I wanted to do. Obviously, not many people get to be on Blue Peter. So while um, I was thinking how I was going to do that, I spoke to someone who said, you know you can get into volunteering at your local BBC radio station. Um, So that's what I did when I lived in Cambridge years ago uh, when I was – just out of university I went and helped out there basically and that, and that's how it all began. And so what is the role of a producer at BBC Radio Bristol? Well I'm the breakfast producer so that means um, I get up at half past three so you have to be good in the mornings um, and I'm working with James our presenter to put together four hours of breakfast radio for the Radio Bristol audience which is local news, weather, travel, sport but also really engaging content, which is going to entertain people. And in these terrible days of all sorts of stuff going on, just to put a smile on people's faces, really. And what do you think is the most important aspect of a radio producer's job? I think it's lots of things, which makes it quite a sort of multitasking thing. Often when I get to 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm, I feel really frazzled because I split my brain in so many different ways. I've got, I'm not exaggerating, I must have... 12, 13, 14 screens that I'm looking looking at in the morning and I'm flicking between all of those at the time. One of them is putting guests through to the studio. One of them is checking all the social media, seeing what's coming in. Another one is my emails and another one is checking um, Zooms. And also I'm just trying to see, because obviously we've got a planned programme, but also in the morning I'm just trying to see if there's anything that's happening that we're not talking about that I need to fix. Um, so I'll be chasing guests or people to comment on stuff as well. And it's, it's managing to juggle all of that. But I think probably the most important thing is your relationship with the presenter. And whether you like them or not, you have to have a very, very good working relationship. So you need to know, they need to know that when something happens, they can trust you to sort it out. So you need to sort of work out a sort of shortcut conversation that you can have, especially at Radio Bristol, where most of the programme is all speech content. So I can't... There aren't many opportunities when I can speak to James when he's not doing something else. He's very good at listening to more than one thing at once. But I need to think very carefully. If I'm going to put my finger on the buzzer and speak into his headphones to tell him something important, I need to think very carefully about exactly what I'm going to say, that it's going to be short, first of all, 
that it's not going to put him off his stride of what he's saying, and that it's going to be very, very clear. And if it's a last-minute change, that's that's crucial. So I, I think there's a lot to do when you start producing a programme is to work out with the presenter, how do you want me to do stuff? How do you want me to talk in your ear? Would you rather I didn't? Do you want me to write things on the screen? Do you want me to <laughs> send you a message? Um, do you want me to come in and write it on a bit of paper? Um, and just to work out the very best you can get out of something. So we've got a programme produced, and then in the morning we're tinkering with it to make it as current and as good as we think we can do. Um, and then it's that constant communication. If there's a story, if there's suddenly there's a big bus crash on the M32 and the cl- road's closed, I need to make sure I've spoken to the newsreader about it. I need to make sure the person who does our travels all over it. And I need to make sure James is all across it. I think it's very easy as a presenter and a producer with a, with a glass in between you that you might be busy beavering away with the next segment. But unless you let the presenter know what's happening, um, it can get quite tricky. So you just need to communicate with everyone. And as part of a big news organisation like we are at Radio Bristol, if something really big happens, then we have to make sure we tell everyone else within the organisation so that they could use it or speak to the same people that we've spoken to. So there's a lot of sharing um, going on and there's managing a team as well so it's it's lots of different things so the breakfast show on bbc radio bristol is always a very busy show of live guests and interviews what's it like working in that fast-paced environment and how do you cope under that pressure it's really really fun I mean, we're lucky that we have a team that we all really get on um and we try and make it fun to listen to and it's fun for us to take part in as well and i guess as i said I, i'm lucky that i don't mind getting up early but you it does take its toll. I work four days. I choose to work four days a week, not five. So by the time I get to Thursday, Friday's my day off, I do feel like I'm a bit frazzled. But um, it's fun. And we all feed off each other in terms of energy. Um, I guess that's a weird thing about the media when you're on the radio or the television or doing a podcast like you are, that you need to have that energy. And when you do it every day, it's sometimes you, know, you might, for whatever reason, not be feeling it. You might not be feeling well. You might not have slept very well. Um, so, so I feel it's like my role to make sure everyone in the team is as in a good mood as they possibly can mm. be, which obviously is tricky sometimes. But it's it's about that sort of side of stuff as well. It's not just working out which person you're going to speak to next. The only way you get the best out of your team is if everyone's uh, working together and on, on relatively good form. So I'm I'm sort of a great cheerleader for just trying to make sure everyone's okay and trying to keep everybody um, in a good mood. And how do you sort of find the content that you feature on a typical breakfast show? There's lots and lots of different ways. We have a big regional news diary at the BBC, which everyone from Radio Bristol to Network inputs in. So I can see at a glance what everybody's doing all over the country. I can see what points West have got planned for tomorrow. I can see what online have got planned. So, And we're trying to be better than that. That's part of a lot of the changes that are coming up, is that mm. we're trying to be better at sharing stuff so that we're... Um, for example, we're doing a story tomorrow about bus cuts and there's a meeting at the West of England. Community Authority uh, starting literally right now, actually, and we were going to send our politics reporter, Pete Simpson, but Paul Bartrop, who's the political um, correspondent for Points West, is going, so there's no point both of them going. There's just stuff like that, so that's the stuff that's in the diary. And then we really try to do what's going to pe- keep people entertained and engaged, so what might they like to hear about that they might like to be able to get involved in. And then also there's the stuff that just what are people talking about? Um, we've had some fun this morning because um, somebody spotted earlier in the week, um, Kelsey Grammer, who's on um, Cheers and Frasier years ago. Uh, he's the star of that. He's a big Hollywood actor. He's in loads of stuff in the West End. Um, he has married the daughter of Alan Walsh, who's a former Bristol City um, footballer, Katie. 
And Alan and his family live in Portishead. So he was spotted in a curry house in Portishead on Monday night. And that was quite exciting. So we've been talking about it on the show all week. And we went to Portishead yesterday to try and find the people that might have seen him. No one has seen him, but we we met lots of people who were very excited that he's in Portishead. And then we thought, well, the great thing to do would be to try and get Kelsey Grammer on. I mean, obviously, we're spending every day trying to get guests on, but it's not always very easy to get a celebrity on. But... um, by chance, I rang Alan Walsh, and he happened to be in the car with Kelsey Grammer on the way to London. So we were able to get on and get him on, and he passed the phone to me and just said, yeah, yeah, that's fine, um, but we'll speak to you tomorrow. So he came on the wow. show today, and we normally do interviews sort of three or four minutes. I think we spoke to him for 12 minutes. So, um, And I've just, just looked at it. It's just been sent around on PA News as a story as to some of the stuff he told us. So it's, it's, it's great when you get somebody that's quite a big name. Um, it's lovely when you see that other people are doing it. Points West are trying to do something similar as well. So, um, it, yeah, it could just be all sorts of things. But but I feel like it's not us sort of preaching to people as what they need to know about. We're trying to sort of click into what people want to talk about. So we're looking at social media. We're going by conversations that we've all had. And we're t- talking to people all the time. Everyone's got a story to tell. You've got a story to tell, Finley, so have I. And, you know, <laughs> you know you, every time you talk to someone, you try and, get a bit out of them that might just help inform something that we're going to have tomorrow. The weather's awful this week. Someone was saying that their builders um, can't work when the temperatures are really cold. You're saying all their bricks are sticking together this week because it's so cold. So they physically can't do it. So that might be because we're always trying to do weather stuff, but it's ways of doing stories that aren't always the same. So we're thinking, okay, let's speak to some builders tomorrow morning. That might be a way of doing it. It isn't just the same old, oh, isn't it cold? So the breakfast show, 6am till 10 on weekdays. Uh, I was speaking to James in another episode and he said he gets there at qu- sort of quarter to five. What's your daily routine? When does it start? Yeah, well, I, I get up at half past three. Uh, I'm in for about half past four. Um, and then James and I spend um, an hour and a half making sure we're happy with what's been left for the show because we have a late team that works on the show in the afternoon. Um, and then we'll add any bits we think we need to. Um we do quite a lot of production we might be play little bits of music we might just try and make things more entertaining by adding a bit of sound effects and stuff like that and then whoever's doing the travel it's normally joe comes in at quarter past five and he's a big part of the show we use him to um bounce off with various talking t- subjects that we're doing and then we start the show i need to put all the audio in the running order so that's all ready to go i need to make sure i'm really clear what we're doing when if we have the news on the hour and on the half past, so we need to make sure we hit those. So I'm looking at all the items in each hour to check that um, it's doable. Um, and then I just have a long list of things that I'm going to do in the morning. Then off we go. At six o'clock, James takes, presses the button and we have a news bulletin and then we keep going um, until 10 o'clock. And the first hour we have music in and then the last hour and a half we have music in. But then that bit in between from seven to half past eight is just all speech. So... That's where it can get quite frantic if you're trying to juggle lots of different things at once. And then after the show, we don't have time for a break, sadly. Um, We have a meeting at half past ten to talk about tomorrow, which will be with the late producer and whoever is reporting on the show. We also include um, whoever's working on social media so they can tell us what they're doing. We have a look at the teleprospects and see what they're up to. And we just decide of all the things. We'll probably choose about four stories a day. We're lucky because we cover Bristol, Somerset, Bristol, um, Bath and North East Somerset, South Gloucestershire. Um, and what's the other one? I've been up too long. I can't remember. We've got four. <laughs> <laughs> South Gloucestershire, Baines, Bristol, 
and North Somerset. So yeah, the west up to the coast as well. So it's quite a big patch. You think we go all the way to Western to up to Bath and and then mm. uh, up to the top of Bristol. So and then all of South Gloucestershire down to Thornbury as well. It's a big area. So trying to find things that will be interesting to all of those sometimes we'll pick on one particular thing from one area but much as we can we try and find things that will interest the people and who live in all of those areas so then we have that meeting and we decide what we're going to do the next day and then i normally hang around to about half past 12 helping put tomorrow's show together and then i go home have a sleep <laughs> and then i'll be on my phone checking messages just to see how everything's doing and sometimes i, I help in the afternoon if if we're a bit short or if something needs chasing and then back on it the next morning. And you mentioned the afternoon there. Sort of, how does you know the breakfast show differ from an afternoon show in terms of producing? Um, there are lots more items in it in terms of news content. Um, afternoon show is much more featurey and tends to have sort of two or maybe three news interviews a day. Um, breakfast radio is, of course, when the biggest number of people in the audience are listening. Breakfast is unlike telly where telly has its peak for news in the evening. Our peak is in the morning. So that's why more input goes into that. Um, and it's a mixture of news. Um, we have a competition every day. Um, as I said already, sort of ent- entertaining features as well. But it's quite a different feel to the afternoon show, which is much more sort of celeb focused and things that are going on in the patch, sort of what's on and stuff what's on at the theatre, who's famous, who's... We're lucky we've got lots of theatres in our patch, so there's yeah. quite a lot of um, people and big names that we can speak to in the afternoons. And it's fair to say that everything doesn't always go to plan. That's the joys of live radio. I found out the hard way. Uh, how do you handle any <laughs> mistakes in a programme? Um, well, we're all human. I think sometimes it just helps to show the workings. You know, there's no harm in just saying, oh, that wasn't meant to happen. I think you need to be good at detail, so you need to know that you've tried your very best things not to go wrong. Sometimes they do. I mean, the thing that happens the most often for us is that um, either people don't answer their phones when they say they're going to <laughs> in the morning or, or they don't turn up when they said they're going to because they forget or they oversleep. Um, and then you just, I, as a producer, you always need to have a backup plan. Whatever happens, you've got to, there's no point saying, I don't know. Or James will often say to me, I've got, I'm going to have a couple of minutes spare here. What should I do? And, and I need to, I need to have a plan. You've always just got to have something. So I'll have some things in my head that I know I can pick on at a moment's notice, whether it's something to talk to um, one of the members of the team on air about or whether it's a caller we can get up or whether it's a bit of audio from another story um, or it's a repeat of something we did earlier. Just all of that, you just need to have that sort of um, bubbling away in the back of your head so you can just stick that on should you need to. Um, the other thing is that the phone lines, mobile phones are rubbish. I'm so over Zoom, so hate doing Zoom interviews on the radio because the quality is just not very good. And obviously that's been a big lockdown thing. And, and you know, it, w- it would be much more complicated us getting together if we didn't use it. So there's lots of pluses for using Zoom, but um, it's, sometimes it just doesn't work. And that's very frustrating because you know they're there, but you, the phone signal's not good enough. When we're in lots of parts of our patch where just the phone signal just isn't good. And it's, it's mm. just frustrating if you can't hear people properly. So uh, that gets my goat. But... Um, yeah, basically, sometimes it's funny if things go wrong. <laughs> and obviously, as a public service broadcaster, you must ensure that all information that you broadcast is accurate. What is the process for fact-checking a programme before it airs? So everything that goes out has to get checked um, by someone else. And we have a little thing at the top of the script where we will write in it whether it's, whether it's comp okay or not. And that means that somebody other than the person 
who's listened to it or who has put together the material has has looked at it. So basically, it's a second pair of eyes. And we use the same thing in our approach to social media that if anybody, because it's really easy when you're writing something, this is a tip actually, if you're writing something for broadcast, make sure when you've written Q, you read it out loud. If you're in a newsroom with a load of other people, it makes you feel right, Nelly. But honestly, unless you speak it and hear it through your ears, when you're reading stuff in your head, your eyes and your brain will sometimes fill in the words. If you've missed out words, you might not necessarily notice in the queue if you're just scanning mm. it, whereas if you read it out loud, you'll probably notice. And you'll be able to hear how it sounds and whether that's the sort of thing that you want. Um, I think that's something that everybody should do who works in radio. And then in terms of sourcing stories, um, again, if, if somebody says something that's very controversial, you don't just put it on the radio. You need to check it's true. And the BBC is really, really, really hot on that. Lots of other outlets might just go oh this is so and so says without checking it but um you only need to look at some local papers um having to apologize columns <laughs> and we try to avoid that sometimes we get things wrong of course we do but you try and speak to someone so you might you, you speak to the source of whoever's told you the story and then you need to check it so whoever they're saying is not doing something or is doing something you need to check with them and if you can't get a comment out of them you need to try every which way you can um, or maybe you go to somebody else who might have a view on it, who might shed some light. But we would never put a story on the radio unless we've got all of those things. I mean, sometimes if it's a political story or something and somebody doesn't want to comment, we just have to say, and you'll hear it on the radio and the television a lot, we did ask them for a comment, but no one's come back to us. But mm. you know, So we, we have to make every effort to, to be fair to everyone. We can't be prejudiced on our personal views. We've got to be balanced in our reporting and the way that we tell stories. So, Nikki, anyone who's interested in becoming a radio producer, what sort of advice would you give to them? Um, try and get some work experience if you can. Um, listen to radio, listen to the different stations, listen to the different styles. Um, it's a BBC apprenticeship scheme. That would be a good way to start. That's um, Steph, who's our apprentice at the moment, has been brilliant. So you, you get some college days as well. You get a qualification, but you get a lot of really good hands-on the thing about local radio is if someone's sick, you know, you might be helping answering the phones. You'll suddenly be helping to produce the programme if someone's sick, if you're up for it. So it's a really good way to start in local radio. Community radio, um, if you can't get on that, is a great way to start, as you know, Finley. Um, mm. Great opportunities and just be willing to, to give up your time, really, to, to talk to people. Hospital radio is another way of doing it. Um, uh, yeah, it's a great job. No day is ever the same, but... Um, it's pretty full on, but no, I, I, I wouldn't do anything else. Well, Nikki, it's been great talking to you. Thanks ever so much for coming on. Oh, you're really welcome. I hope that was okay. 